Hello and welcome to Peds' Game Shack. This is the 24th episode and we have returning guest Kerr9000. Hello everyone. How are you doing, dude? I'm not doing bad at all. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. What have you been up to over the weekend? Uh, played a bit of Pikmin 4. A uh, little bit of Hoko Life. And just generally chilling. Yeah, that's fair enough. Why not, no? Yeah. Um, so, for those that are new to the podcast, uh, we tend to do two to three segments. Uh, the first segment is currently playing, where we talk about games that you're currently playing. Second segment is top news, which I haven't been looking for anything personally, because I just didn't. So I guess we're going to drop top news unless Kerr has anything, which I don't think he would. <laughs> and uh, then the third segment is We Play Together, which we talk about a game that we specifically picked to discuss on the podcast. Uh, so, without further ado, I would like to move on to currently playing, and I shall ask you, Kerr, what are you currently playing? Well, like I mentioned, I've started Hocko Life which, for people that don't know, it's a game by Team 17, and it's very much an Animal Crossing, slightly Harvest Mooney sort of game. All right. Any good? Yeah, it doesn't seem bad at all so far. I mean, I sort of got it... When it launched, it was only about £25, I think. But it was That's in a sale for £8. And I've not played Animal Crossing for a long time because I just finished that did everything I wanted. And I'm quite keen for a new Animal Crossing, but obviously that'll be the next Switch or whatever they want to call it, I guess. Switch you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that this was very similar. I basically heard that people that had got PlayStations and Xboxes were buying this when they wanted Animal Crossing and obviously couldn't have it. Mm, makes sense. Animal Crossing... Um whatever the new one is called, because for some reason my brain has melted, was kind of a massive hit, wasn't it, during lockdown? I, I wonder, I, I'm assuming lockdown had a big Im impact on the sales uh, in the sense of um, people using it as kind of escape because they were stuck indoors constantly. Um, oh, definitely. But, uh, like, I've, I've had Animal Crossing since the GameCube one. Uh, so I, I have every generation I grab an Animal Crossing, but... Uh, no, I'll I'll get really really into it for a little bit, and then I I'll won't play it. I'll play it like a little bit, and then eventually I'll stop playing it altogether. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's like I know my missus played about five times as much of the Switch Animal Crossing as me, and she was kind of like, "Why have you put it down? Why aren't you playing it?" And it's like, "Well, I have like netted five hundred hours in it, but it's just <laughs> it's the same game again and again, isn't it? Obviously, it better, is." But and this was her first one, so, you know, if I took the time I spent on the GameCube one, it would probably equal what she spent on the Switch one. Yeah. Why can't I remember the name of the, the Switch game? Horizon, New Horizons, that's Horizon. the one. Yeah, yeah, New Horizons. Yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> Not that it actually matters, but, you know. So how, how does I, it compare to um, <clears throat> how does it compare to Animal Crossing or even Harvest Moon or Rune Factory as it's now called, isn't it? Well, Rune Factory is the mix between Harvest Moon and Sword Fight Adventuring sort of thing. Whereas it's it's weird. Harvest Moon is a strange game because the old Harvest Moon games they paid somebody to release them in America and Europe. Mm -hmm. But when they sign the deal, they sign the deal for, like, a name ownership thing. Right. So when Harvest Moons come out now, they're not made by the original Harvest Moon people. They're made by the people that got the name. Yeah. The new Harvest Moon games that come out are the games called Story of Seasons. Story of Seasons, is it? Right. Yeah. So it's weird. But the people that own Harvest Moon have carried on making Harvest Moon games. And to somebody not in the know, you'd pick them up and think Story of Seasons was the rip-off. Yeah, but it's actually kind of the other way around. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, if you own that name and you've been releasing the games for someone else and you find you still own that name, why not make some money on it? 
Yeah, I guess you <laughs> can't really uh, criticize him for doing it. No. I mean, yeah. Hocko life, I've not actually got to uh, planting crops yet, so I can't compare it to Harvest Moon, really. I've found the bit that becomes farmland, but it's, it's one of those games where it keeps asking you to do things for villagers, and then you get something out of it, like they wanted me to chop some trees down, so I got an axe, and then somebody wanted me to make tables, so I learned how to make a table. Yeah. It does feel very Animal Crossing-y. I wouldn't say it's as good, but if you're an Xbox or PlayStation owner and you want the closest Animal Crossing counterpart you can get, or you own a Switch and you've finished Animal Crossing and need more, then, yeah, it scratches that itch. Would you uh, say Stardew Valley or something like that would be something that you would recommend over this if you've played Stardew, or is this more akin to Animal Crossing helping people, whereas I guess Stardew is more about the farming aspect, isn't it? Yeah, I think if if you want an old-style Harvest Moon game, you go to Stardew Valley. If you want something more Animal Crossing, you'd go to this, really. It'd be the way I'd sort of see it. Yes, fair enough. Is this... I haven't looked into it, to be honest. I probably saw something when it was announced on this, like, I don't know, the Indie Direct or something, or whatever the hell it was on, but... Um, yeah, I haven't really paid that much attention, because that's me for you. I think I, I sort of got into this more, because I was recommending it to the missus, and I thought, why don't we both buy it? And she's brought it, but she's still playing... Um... I think it's the last story of seasons that came out which is in fact a remake of the gamecube harvest moon all right i didn't realize that had been remade i remember playing that yeah. and enjoying that as well it only came out i think you know a month ago or so it's relatively ah, new right. makes sense yeah i didn't know they were re- remaking that what was it called um Story of Seasons GameCube edition or something. <laughs> it's called the same name as the GameCube one was, but Story of Seasons instead of Harvest Moon, but it escapes me for a minute. I'm not sure, because um, there's been loads of Story of Seasons and Harvest Moons yeah. on the Switch. There's at least three of each. Damn. One of the that. other ones is a remake of a Game Boy Advance game, so... Yeah, and that's Friends of Mineral Town, I think. Nah, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not overly familiar. The only Harvest Moon I've played is the one on the GameCube. I like them, but they're all very similar. I think you know, if you've got one, you've you know, find the one that's best and buy that. Yeah, I think that Rune Factory or whatever it's called sounds more interesting with the like fighting aspect and dungeoneering and stuff, but. I was playing, the, I think it's the fourth one of that, and I, I enjoyed it, but I just bounced off onto something else. I even brought the fifth one when I saw it somewhere, like half price, and never even put it in the cartridge slot. Damn. Not oh, good, man. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, we've all been there. Oh, definitely. Maybe not with that specific game, but plenty of other games. Yeah. It's like Hocko life is sort of starting to take a back seat now. I've got Pikmin 4, to be honest. I didn't I I didn't realise Pikmin 4 was out yet. I knew the demo was out, but I didn't realise the full game was. Uh at this Friday just passed. Oh nice. I was I was I was Pikmin 4 going. Oh I love it. Um I think I've spent about eight hours on it so far. And loved absolutely every hour of it. How does it compare um, to the first three? I know some people don't like that when the start starts, it kind of retcons a little bit of number one. Oh. And there's people up in arms about that. Basically, you've seen there's a dog character, haven't you? Yes. It sort of makes out that Olimar had a dog, one of these things. Right. He didn't. Which clearly, you know, he didn't, yeah, but... Or maybe but he no, did, but the dog was left on the ship to, and didn't get involved in anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, perhaps. But there's a lot of types of Pikmin. Um, I've met five so far. 
isn't it every one that's been in previous games where they've added like another one that's for nighttime adventures? Yeah, there's a nighttime one I've met. And then there's an ice one I've met. And then there's the red, yellow, blue standard, you know, been in every Pikmin. Yeah. Which you could expect. Yeah. The iconic Pikmin. Definitely. And I mean, it's nice to see the nighttime ones and to actually get to go out at night. Hmm. That's when everything, I, I, like, I haven't played it, obviously, but I remember I'm showing stuff on a direct. And I'm pretty sure, like, nighttime becomes more difficult because, like, the creatures are, like, even more aggressive during nighttime and stuff, but, you know. Yeah, they are. And at night, it's, you're not exploring quite so much in this. You're defending, like, a base that produces something. So it's it's a kind of Pikmin-esque tower defense minigame thing. All right. You'd have, yeah, you'd have to play it to see exactly what, but that probably gives you a flavor. Yeah, Pikmin 4 is a definite on my want list because I really like Pikmin. How does it control, though? Because Pikmin 3 on the Wii U, with the Nunchuck and... Wii, Wii Remote and Nunchuck, plus the mapping on the Wii you gamepad was brilliant control screen scheme a brilliant control scheme yeah so i'm wondering how it compares to that does it feel like control wise at least does it feel like it's um kind of like a backward step or does it just feel all right i think it feels quite all right i mean you've clearly it's a bit different because now you're just controlling a reticle to throw the pikmen whereas before you could actually point as such mm. and some people have complained that this is a little bit easier but you know with the tools you've got they've done the best job to make it feel playable that they can and we're never going to get wii u type stuff back again because that console bombed and i think there was some good ideas in the looking at the pad and at the screen zombie u was great uh you'd look at the map and then go, oh shit there's a zombie in front of me yeah yeah have you played um zombie like the the Xbox and PC and PS4 release of Zombie U. Yeah, I've played that on the Xbox. I didn't find the game as immersive as I did the Wii U version. No, because it, it took out some of the panicking, I think, because of the fact that you weren't blinking between two screens and missing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, much more enjoyable on the Wii U. Definitely. I, I think yeah. the simple fact that you were, like, turned away, locking away, and then it's like, oh, shit, a zombie zombie. Whereas while they did try their best on the other platforms, because it was still on the main screen, you could see things that was happening slightly. So you kind of had a better idea of the background, so you didn't feel the kind of tension that you had on the um, Wii U. I, I think the Wii U like was a massively missed opportunity for so many games to do something cool with that. I, w I wished they would do it. Uh, they, they, I would wish they'd have made a success of it because yeah. I, honestly, for me personally, I prefer the Wii U to the Switch in some ways because, like, I'm not interested in the like um, dock, the undocked mode. So, like, a, a full-on console would have been great. I also found the Wii pad a lot more comfortable to hold than um, the Switch uh, handheld or the Joy-Cons. Yeah. And I, I, think, th I think it was more innovative as well. If you're going to play a lot of docked games, then I think you've got to get the, like, Pro Controller. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I got me a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Pro Controller. Oh, brilliant. Uh, someone was uh, talking to me before saying they wanted to grab one, but they were like 90 or 100 quid now, and I was like, ah, I bought mine for much wow. cheaper because I got it on release. <laughs> I ain't paying that kind of money for a pad. Nuts. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. The things people will spend money on. I never get uh, like those Microsoft Elite game pads where they're 130 quid. Yeah, I hear the build quality's not great on them either, Like, but they yeah. are meant to be pretty good and the customizable aspect's fun. They're all fun. But um, it is meant to be beneficial. Uh, at the same time, 
I don't know. It just seems like a waste of money to me. Yeah, so uh, when you can get a normal pad for 40, 50 quid and you could get a couple of games, it's it's a lot to invest in a pad. Yeah. 40 to 50 quid is too much for a pad for me. I'm pretty sure these would be much cheaper years and years ago, like 20 quid, don't I? <laughs> oh, definitely. I think, uh, you know, post-COVID, a lot of stuff like this has gone up. Pads that were £40 all the time, the exact same pads now are £50. And, and the second-hand market is abysmal for joy pads. Yeah? Yeah, I've seen places like wanting £40 for a second-hand Xbox One pad, and you're like, well, for 45 50 quid, I'll get it new off Amazon, and I'll know nothing, and it's broken. Yeah. None of someone else's finger grease in there, I know. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of, like, uh, video game porn stores and places like that won't give um, warranties on pads now. No? Disgusting. No, because they basically think people are going to, like, hit each other with them or smash them against the wall or... <laughs> I've never seen anyone hit someone with a pad, but, you know. Uh, my nephews have, but... <laughs> <laughs> each other when losing and stuff and you're like no no that's not what you do that's expensive <laughs> use your fists <laughs> <laughs> obviously don't that's just naughty like you know but yeah. play nice saying that the worst i ever saw for um pad abuse was my older cousin kevin and it was a mega drive pad right and it wasn't just paddy abused um there's a game it's a basketball game. It's before NBA Jam. Arch Rivals, that's it. All right. He was obsessed with playing Arch Rivals. Every time I went round their house, he'd got Arch Rivals on the Mega Drive. One time, and I found out, this is the funny thing now, when you read all like these magazines and stuff, it's basically proven that Arch Rivals is programmed to cheat. Right. The AI will actually cheat if you're beating it. And when he used to, like, lose at the last minute, I one time saw him pull his pad out, and I'd have been, like, I don't know, and something, and he'd have been a lot older. He'd have been, like, 18. He pulled his pad out of the socket and stamped up and down on it. (laughs) (laughs) One time, he literally ripped the entire Mega Drive away and went and carried it and threw it in the bin. Damn. And then, back out later, but you yeah, know. Yeah. It would be funnier if you hadn't got it back out and you just picked up like do 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 I got a mega drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he funny. was the only person I knew that ever had a mega C D back in the day. Yeah, I, I can't can't think of anyone with a mega C D, but I'm pretty sure I know of people who had them. But I just yeah, can't think of who. But I know people did, if that makes sense. Like, I, yeah, I got mine no. when I was 18, so, you know, quite a bit after they oh, came out. I, I didn't get one till it was off a car boot, but he got a job where he was on call out, so he just made money basically waiting to be called out and got a Mega CD with the money and played that a lot. Nice. And then he realised that, like, it was a bit too... I, I... Talking about Sega, it was just a bit of a shame that they went, oh, here's the Mega Drive, oh, here's the 32X, here's the Mega CD, here's the Saturn, here's the Dreamcast. We're not doing consoles anymore! Because <laughs> it was all a bit so abrupt, like, it was just too much at once. I think, from what I've read about it, like, the Saturn was what really tipped them into, like, a, a bad territory more than the Dreamcast. I don't know if that's true, yeah. but I think it was like... They released the 32X and the Mega CD. Uh, so close to the sun, it kind of screwed them themselves. Like People just sort of thought, you know, they've released this thing. It doesn't succeed. They chuck it. They release something out. I ain't buying note from them sort of thing. Yeah. Just shame because the Dreamcast particularly was an absolutely cracking console. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, the Dreamcast and the Saturn. I really enjoyed my Saturn. Yeah, I like the Saturn. I think the the thing with the Saturn is that a lot of the 2D games on it are absolutely amazing. Yeah. But I think some of the 3D games, it does kind of lose out to the PlayStation. Definitely. Because it was just made in a way where it was like a 2D powerhouse that could kind of do 3D. 
Yeah, they kind of... I think they... From what I remember reading, they kind of didn't go all in on 3D because they didn't think it would take off as early as it did. I think. Yeah. They thought it was a bit too early, but they were wrong. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is a lot of the games that are like synonymous with PlayStation, Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, a lot of those games are out on Saturn as well. I think some yeah, of them were out on Saturn first. It's like I know in Japan they got Symphony of the Night on Saturn and it got extra bits in it. Yes, I think Mega Man X. X something or other, X6, I don't know. There's either a Mega Man X game or Mega Man 8. That came out on the Saturn and had extra robot masters from, like, Mega Man that were in there that you could uh, fight. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Only, like, two or three, but the point is that they were still there. So, like, the games didn't run as good, but uh, they had extra shit, <laughs> which is cooler, in my opinion. In some ways. Um, have you been playing anything else other than Pikmin and uh, Horn or Life? Horn or Life? I can't remember you said it was called, no? Horn Life, yeah. Um, I've played a fair bit of Streets of Rage 3 recently because of the fact I was reviewing it. Did you, right, right, here you go. You discussed on that review both Bay Knuckle 3 and Streets of Rage 3. Yeah. Did you play through both for the review? Yes. Damn. Which, which one do you I prefer own... then, coming away from it? Bay Knuckle or uh, Streets of Rage? Because I know that they, cut quite, they changed up some things in, in Bay Knuckle 3 to Streets of Rage 3, so... The thing is, the Bay Knuckle 3 is easier, and I think in some ways that kind of makes it more fun, because it's easier to get sort of through to the end and see more of it. Mm-hmm. And, but I think really they toughened up the UK and American one because of rental markets and stuff. And although if you're good at those sort of games, you can get through it. I do think it makes it more of a slog for, you know, at least the average player. Yeah. Obviously, the story was all in Japanese, and which I don't read, unfortunately. So I didn't get much of that. But it's the weird little things that are... Like, um, the characters are actually wearing their proper colours in the Japanese one. Why did they change the colours in the Western release? I'm not sure. No, I'm not really sure on that part. It it seems weird. I don't know why you'd do it. Hmm. Hmm. Like, uh, I think Axel's got, like, a yellow shirt instead of a white one and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, to, to be fair, they did change Axe a little bit for um, Streets of Rage 4. They give him a beard. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, he's got exactly the same kind of clothes on that. <laughs> oh, I love Streets of Rage 4. That's an immense game. It is, yeah. Uh, how would you rank How would you rank the games? Because I was always a, a big fan of the original two. I didn't play three as much, say. Well, it's weird because number one is obviously the most technically inferior. Mm. But there's a lot of happy memories behind it. Mm -hmm. Two, at the original three, I think two is the definite, you know, if you're going to get one, that's the one to get. Yeah, that's I would agree with that. It's got the best music by far of any of them. Yeah. If you go one, two, three, four... And I'm sure some people are going nuts at me for saying this because, you know, it's sort of anti-retro almost, but 4 is definitely the one to go for out of all of them. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, it's improved on the original games quite a bit. The story mode is easier to get through, and if you want to play the game in a more traditional Streets of Rage style, once you finish this story mode, you get the arcade mode and where you play through the game in the old-fashioned way of playing the Streets of Rage games. Yeah, and all the the fact of how many characters you've got in it. Yeah. It, wow. you got all the... Like, originally, all the characters that are there now weren't there, but 
I think you had more la- most of the characters from the original games. I think you've got pretty much every single character you could play as, apart from like Skate, maybe. Yeah, um, there's. Oh, I can't even think, but there's a lot because there's like the original Streets of Rage one characters and stuff, isn't there? And yeah, so there's like multiple versions of people. And then if you've got the DLC, you've got that police lady. Yeah, it's uh, definitely worth going uh, going into. Um, there was a, a back in the day, you know, many many moons ago. There was like a fan game of Streets of Rage, and you could play oh. as all the characters, and it was really cool. Um, it's that Streets of Rage remake, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. You, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but that was cool. One thing I kind of missed from um. Like, I think they added it back in 4, but in Streets of Rage 2 from Streets of Rage 1 was when you press, like, A or something, and you would get the, uh, like, a car pull up in the back, uh, like, down the street, so to speak, and they'd launch a freaking rocket off that would blow up and kill all the enemies. But the funny thing about that is, is when you got um, to the final stage, you couldn't use it because you were inside a building, so you couldn't do it. No, yeah, I did like that. It was pretty cool, the car skidding and then rocket. It's just uh, one thing I thought was pretty funny. Like It's like, oh, yeah, look, I'll just uh, fight the boss. I'll press this button and I'll kill the boss. Oh, it doesn't work. Damn it. Makes sense, because you wouldn't expect a car to drive up an elevator and then into the building. like. Oh, definitely. I mean... It's the kind of thing you'd expect him to have not done, because you'd think, oh, they'll never think of that. And to say that they actually thought it through and went, no, we're not going to let it happen. Pretty cool. Dog is barking. He does this from time to time. Or with him being a dog. The new pugs. <laughs> ruff, ruff, ruff. See, he agrees. <laughs> I liked at the end of Streets of Rage 2 where you got offered to work for the uh, evil guy. Uh, Mr. Mr. X? Yeah, if two of you make it to the end, he goes, if you one of you kill the other, you can work for me or something like that, and you can choose to beat your friend up instead. But no one would do that, because everyone's friendly, you know? <laughs> but the story differences in 3 as well, and I, I think the Japanese Streets of Rage 3 was more akin to the original games, whereas Streets of Rage 3... Uh, a westernized version is all like future shit. Is that right? Yeah. The uh, English Streets of Rage 3 is about basically robots replacing important people and bombs and stuff. Whereas the Japanese one is about a chemical, I think it's called Raxine, and bombs are that being set off and destroying buildings and killing thousands of people. And I think maybe that was dropped because it was a time around the time of the IRA ceasefire and the peace negotiations and everything. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. Plus it's a bit dark, isn't it? Chemical weapons and thousands die in it, you know. With the way that we were heading where places were complaining about Mortal Kombat and Doom, maybe Sega just thought, let's avoid deeply adult stuff. Yeah, makes sense. But, you know... We'll never know now. We'll never know. (laughs) So, we are going to move on to the next segment, which is We Play Together. The game we have been playing for this is uh, Coffee Talk 2. I think it's hibiscus and butterfly pea or something. Hibiscus and butterflies? Hibiscus and butterfly PT or something like that? Wow, neither of us can even get the name. <laughs> yeah, I just I just remember as um, Coffee Talk Episode 2. Yeah. But I'm, I'm awful with names, so, you know, don't blame me. What's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure it's hibiscus and butterfly pea. Yeah. Or maybe it's just hibiscus and butterflies. That would make yeah. sense. So It's named after the two new ingredients in it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is hibiscus and 
Butterfly. There you go, hibiscus and butterfly. That's what it's called. I was right. I was right when I said it in the first oh, place. Right. Why did I second guess myself? Damn it, me. Damn me. <laughs> so, okay, what did you think of Coffee Talk Episode Two, Hibiscus and Butterfly? I enjoyed it. I um, I really liked the first one. So obviously, I was happy to find out there was this sequel. Yeah, it was on Game Pass, which obviously really helps. Definitely. And I like the fact how they time skip forward a bit. I think it's supposed to be three years after the original game. Yeah. So clearly time's moved on, things have changed, but most of the original characters crop up. The, yeah. You know, you've got Joel the Copper, or Georgie, however you say it, Hyde the Vampire, Gala the Werewolf, Silver um, the Alien. Silver the Neil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but how did you find it? Because I, I haven't finished it. I'm like most of the way through it, but I haven't actually finished it because, uh, like, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll get to it, and then it's just not happened. And then, like, yes, I was like, oh, I'll get to it, and then I end up going out for a meal. And by the time I got back, uh, I was just like, I'm just tired. And then, and then today, I've just been playing here for like when I can through today, and I've, I've got most of the way through it. But yeah. um, from what I've played of it, it's like it doesn't it doesn't expand on the original game in many ways. You, add, like, yeah, it adds two new ingredients, but it doesn't really do anything new. No, there's two new ingredients, and then there's that thing where you can give people items with their coffee. But it's yeah. often crap they've left behind in your bar that you're giving them back. Um, yeah, it's either it's either that they've left something behind and you give it back, or someone else have left something and you've given it to someone else. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it. No, it's it's not really moved on. It's very much one of those more of the same sequels, mm. and they are just like two parts of the same story. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, is while it hasn't really. Uh, developed in a gameplay aspect or anything like that i'm actually really enjoying just seeing how things have progressed in in the game characters uh i think for me that's actually uh more, like i wouldn't know what you would do with this kind of game to uh change it up a bit but i think find like seeing how the characters you've met previously have progressed in three years and also coming across new characters has been really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it, it is great because most like films, games, they end and you're sort of left pondering what happened to him, what did she do, where did it all go? And in this case, it's actually getting to see what happened to him and how their decisions have moved their lives on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's like um, the... the, the uh, I can't remember the names because I'm awful. Um, the the uh, I think it's Lua and... Uh, Bailey's. Uh, in the first yeah. game, they're having issues with their relationship because she's a succubus, he's an elf, and for her, family's everything. For him, he's like, yeah, elves are stuck-up assholes. Uh, at the end of the day, my priority is having a happy life, and I can't do that with my family because they're so uh, stuck-up. Uh, I'm happy enough to leave my family, and me and you can be together without any worries. It's like, yeah, but you'll give up your you know, immortality and all, and family to her is really important, so she doesn't want him to give up his family. And, like, in this, they, they're they arguing again, but for different reasons now. It's about uh, a wedding and things. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it's funny because they're saying for, you, for, for a long time they haven't argued about anything, which is funny to hear about. <laughs> like, it's been peaceful, but the whole wedding stuff is bringing up things, and that is causing an issue for them. It's funny to see, like, you know, things have moved on, but at the same time, they've kind of stayed the same as well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of circled back round a bit. Yeah. But no, I think it did a good uh, mix of sort of old characters and new. Yeah, the new characters have been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I like... Um, uh... Centaur Lucas. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think he's he's sort of the oh, 
what was her name? Freya in the first one, the writer. He's the replacement for her, but he's yeah. a social influencer. It's like a chance for them to comment on social influencers, isn't it? And it's all about how he wants to change direction with his channel and do new stuff, but his management wanting to just churn out the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, I'm I'm guessing that like I'm I like I wouldn't know much about influencers and stuff in the sense because I don't really pay attention to many of them and I'm not one myself. But it's kind of putting a point across of like is like even if they have good intentions, sometimes they can get lost in things and yeah, kind of go a different route with things, or they end up doing like good social media wise and what have you. But then um, they kind of then pushed by the fam, uh, no family, by the um, the the management and the crew to just continue doing the same thing, so that they keep getting the same kind of views and money and what have you, so they don't get to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's like passion turning into pursuit of money, sort of thing. Yeah. Even if it's not really what they want to still do, because they actually, like the guy says, like I, you know, this is my passion. I want to do this to help other people, and it's like, I'm, but I don't know when I can do it because it's not just me. You know, I got people working for me that who need to be paid as well. So, and then like Hyde is uh, straightforward ways, like yeah, but you know, if you, there's always going to be excuses, you just need to pull your finger out your ass and get to it, like. <laughs> He is a strange character, Hyde, in that he comes across as the arsehole a lot of the time, but a lot of his advice is good advice, really. He's just straight to the bone. Yeah. And a lot of the time, is, is it like he comes across like really harsh and stuff, but he actually is very helpful. Yeah. Like the funny thing is, the game, like, you do, like, even in the first game, you don't do a lot of advice giving and what have you like that tends to happen with the other characters you're kind of there as as more of a, an observer of what's happening and you just make the occasional drink though your drinks influence outcomes to things yeah that's really the it's a visual novel mostly but then the drinks you make are the sort of real gameplay bit yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, they're the only way that you really do have any cause or effect on it. How are you find how are you finding it compared to the first then? I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much as the first. But I think that's true of a lot of sequels really. It is hard to be a sequel to a something you really enjoyed. Yeah. I'm enjoying it at the, at the moment. I wouldn't say I, there's much between them for me. Uh, I, I kind of miss Freya because she was fun, uh, but I guess that um, whatever his name is that I've forgotten all of a sudden is is kind of like a similar character but a bit more silly. Yeah. Um, but I, I miss making just espressos constantly for Freya. <laughs> it's a nice easy espresso <laughs> to get the get the day started. <laughs> also, it's weird seeing like I don't remember Neil showing up in. Um, the first per- first game of silver, but uh, like it's kind of cool to see another uh, Neil, so to speak. Oh yeah, the uh, is it Amanda, the one? Yeah, that sort that's of the one. Kind of his sister. Yeah, it's also funny because the uh, agent is uh, turning up more than he used to. Yeah, you know? he's definitely on the trail as such. Yeah, but he's turning up, and he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, it's not really the. I want to do this. It's more that, you know, we haven't got things sorted for aliens to be here, so we need to do something about it. But realistically, what they should do then is not kick them out (laughs) or whatever they do. Something should be done, but maybe not just get rid. I don't know. I think, like the first game, the game is all about hitting real life situations in a fantastical setting because it, it did in the first game um you know it, it was a lot about uh like uh real life things but with like elves and fairies and what have you and in this 
it's, it's doing the same thing, but like last time it wasn't much about uh, influencers, whereas this time it is. You have some yeah. of the same characters turning up, but um, it's like in the first game you had, I think it was Myrtle and Aqua, the names were. Yeah. And they would kind they they got introduced there and they were like, it was all about game stuff. And in this, it continues, but they have, they seem to be in a relationship as well. So there's kind of like uh, an issue of, the game stuff as well as that um you know it, it kind of touches upon real life things that um a lot of the time the it can be about um like racial things and that sort of stuff yeah uh, you know a social injustices then oh yeah i think there's definitely a lot of sort of racial and uh lgbtq plus stuff there and i do think a lot of it is there's like a big overriding the game because it's like the centaur lad about how they're viewed as party animals and drunk cards and stuff but he wants to be creative the uh banshee goes on about how she's viewed a certain way but she wants to be a type of singer that banshees aren't usually you know a lot of the characters essentially want to break out of their mold and their boundaries and do or express something which is seen as different or foreign to their type of creature. Yeah, it seems to be more about, uh, not more about, but it's, it's basically, like you said, is they want to be seen as different, but I don't think it's so much... That they want to be seen as different, but they may want to, people to realise that their race isn't the way they perceived then, maybe? Yeah. It's like instantly it's, assuming it's not... that, like, oh, someone from this country or this racial background is instantly going to be in such a way, and the people in this game are trying to, I guess, in a roundabout way, trying to demonstrate that, you know, just because someone is from a specific background doesn't mean that they are going to be the same as other people from there because everyone is an individual. You know, you've got to take every person as they come, not just make assumptions on someone just because of who they, who they are perceived to be then. Yeah. And I think in, in that way, it's a very, very nice game because it has a sort of good heartfelt message yeah i would agree with you there completely i mean it's like uh, a bit weird but this game actually had a slight effect on me and youtube and stuff because i think it was some of playing this and the centaur lucas what he was going on about that made me decide that i was going to share my face on youtube again all right it was a mix of that and it was Things like um, we had that stabbing near where I am in Nottingham and you just kind of think life's a bit short and there's a lot of nastiness out there and just like go for things and don't care if other people sort of look down on it or, you know, so like Carpe DM sees the day or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Kind of puts things into perspective of like... Uh... Trying things a bit different, doing things new. Life's too short, you know? Yeah. I would agree with her. Life is too short. Unless you're an elf. <laughs> Which I'm not. <laughs> See, the issue I have with this game is I haven't got that much to say on it. Because it isn't too dissimilar to the first game. Like... There's some new stories there, but it, it does the similar a similar thing to the first game in it highlights issues that are um like social issues and racial issues and various other things. And it, it tackles them. Um I think how well it will do that will depend on the person, maybe. Like someone from a certain but then again it, it kind of tackles it in a way that everyone is a uh, a, a fantastical uh, creature, 
So there's no specific race that it's targeting other than the simple fact it's saying don't judge a book by its cover. And I think the the both games have done that quite well in my eyes. And like I, like I said, I can't say a lot more about the game because it's the same kind of thing as the first, but it's still really enjoyable. And I think like the first, it's it's an easy game to flick on for a bit. And with you not needing quick reflexes, it's quite a good game if you're tired or you just want something casual. Yeah. Definitely. But make sure you make the right drinks because otherwise you might get the wrong outcome. Like in the first game, for example, I made, uh, I didn't finish by the time of the podcast. I finished afterwards, but uh, I, I did, uh, I think it was, Freya was like, oh, I'm, not, I'm really tired. Give me some coffee to calm and right in. And you were supposed to give us something to help us sleep, not make us some really strong coffee, yeah. which is what I did. And uh, so it was like, oh yeah, a book was published, but she didn't do well. And I think if... You had done the right drinks, her book would have sold well, she would have, you know, been alright, but I think that didn't happen. Because yeah. <laughs> I made the wrong drinks. There's a, that reminds me, I mean, this is go back to number one, but there's a lot of sort of talk about burnout in number one, really, isn't there? It is, yeah. It is. Uh, especially with the devs, the, the dev Myrtle. Yeah. Uh, more and than then anyone, I think. Player and her book, the two of them are like yeah. trying to meet deadlines, and it's how you go about it. Yeah, because um, in that she's talking about all, one doing her job uh, as well as trying to write a book, and she has a very specific deadline on that book. So kind of, yeah. I think I think it, it tackles issues quite well myself. Like I said, I haven't got much else I can say about the game other than I enjoy it. Um, yeah, it shoes yeah. yeah. Uh Would you recommend this to anyone or well, everyone? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely start with the first, and if you like the first, move on to this one. Yeah. You know, particularly if you're open-minded and you like having your sort of ideas challenged and stuff. So I mean, basically, sure if you're no scum, right. you should enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, you're funny, Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, thought, um, I haven't really got much else I can say about it. Um, got any final thoughts on the game? Because I am stumped. Would you like a number three or not? Yes, from what I've played, I am finished too, so I don't know. As for I know, the cafe could blow up, but um, you know, I would like a third game if it continues with, uh, a, a, especially if it continues with a good mix of old and new. So I like having the new characters because while it, like I said, it does tackle uh, social issues and what have you, they tend to be different. Uh, not all of them, but with the newer characters, they tend to be different. With the older characters, they kind of. They're kind of the same, similar issues, but they are different at the same time, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's the same sort of flavour, but altered enough to not be repetitive. Yeah, exactly. But now I think they could easily make one of these like every few years and just obviously time skip it, add a few new people in. Kill off the humans. Yeah, in some degree, look what's going on in the world, what you can take from and comment on. Hmm, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that is going to be it from us then, as, you know, while the game is actually rather enjoyable and, like I said, tackles some issues, it's difficult to talk about it in a way that really... I don't know, I wouldn't say does it justice, but, you know, when you've played the first game, it's hard to dis- dis- discuss this game in a way that differentiates it a lot from the first game, because you kind of, if you've played the first game, you know what you're getting. Yeah. If you like that one, you'll like this one. Yeah, exactly. Um, is there anything you would like to plug, Kurt? Um... 
Well, I've got a video coming out like pretty much every single day on YouTube. At the moment, there's a lot of ones of me trying various snacks and candy bars. But as my pudgy arse has gone on a diet, at some point it's going to change into dietary stuff and probably wrestling at the moment. What does this red apple taste like? Does it compare to this green apple? <laughs> yes, red delicious are the best. Fuck you all. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd only eat red apples. I, I had like many apples, but red delicious are by far my favourite. I love a red delicious. Green delicious is not as nice as red delicious. Or golden delicious, even. My thing, I always call apples either crunch or woolly. All right. You either get the ones that you like bite into and they make a crack and they're quite hardish. Yeah. Or you get them where it just like feels like cotton wool in your mouth. And I don't like the soft ones. I like a proper snap to it. Yeah. Nice big crunchy <laughs> kind of thing, like as you bite into it. Yeah, you know, feel like you pull your teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that is gonna be us. Uh, don't forget, uh, Kerr nine thousand on YouTube, uh, and I think mine is Ped's reviews. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, we will say goodbye, and we'll be back in a fortnight with another game. And if you are inclined to listen to vid uh, video, if you're inclined to listen, yes, video, video cassettes. If you're inclined to listen to film podcasts, uh, I've recently been doing a podcast called Pugsley Crew Reviews. Uh, there's two episodes so far. The films discussed are uh, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, which is a short film, and uh, Cool World, which is a 1994 uh, film with Brad Pittner. Um, very sexual for a kids film and uh, both episodes have me and Kerr on it uh, the next episode of that will be out in a week so yeah um, take care everyone bye bye take care. bye have a good one <laughs>